What's up guys? Today we're going to be diving into a company and that company is Facebook and we're not going to be diving into it from a quantitative standpoint but from a qualitative standpoint as we always do. So let's go. If you ever looked at Facebook's financials, they look good by almost any metric. Lots of cash generation, reinvestments, asset light compared to the size of the business and so on. What about the qualitative aspects? Uh, fortunately, I would say we don't see all of those in the 10K. Uh, let's analyze some of them. Basic qualitative premises. As we did with Inditex, let's start with the basic premises around this business. The first one is that people like to be entertained. If you think about Facebook and Instagram from a user perspective, what we are doing when scrolling is actually entertaining our minds with the affairs of others. What is this person doing? How will this girl do this trick shot? We, mostly unconsciously, have the need to fill in the blanks of our day. I'm not saying this is healthy, by the way. The second one is that social media is, by definition, a place where many people go. Being a stage, it attracts various types of people. Firstly, business owners. They want to be where people are so they can interact with them, talk to them, and sell their products. Then, and the attention seekers for whatever reason. For someone wanting to rant about something, they will want to be where people will actually listen. The third one is that people need to communicate with each other. Even if I hated to use uh, the Facebook website, I still need to talk with my friends and family. That is why WhatsApp or Messenger have their own value apart from Facebook and Instagram. Now, the business model. I actually expect you to know this, but let's just uh, breeze through it uh, with a very brief description of how it works. They provide a platform, a free platform where users and advertisers meet. Users want to be entertained, they want to communicate with friends and family, they want to reach people, to sell products or to be heard. And uh, you have the other side. The other side is advertisers that want to target specific customers. Let's go through some qualitative advantages now. The first one is that Facebook has the data to allow advertisers to reach specific customers. Um, if you've ever tried to do a Facebook ad, for example, you will see uh, demographics by age, by gender, by what phone they use, uh, by uh, what behaviors they have, by what they like. Um, they know a lot about each user. On top of this, they have low traffic acquisition costs, and they call it uh, TAC, T-A-C, because people visit their platforms willingly. They have a bidding system, which allows for supply and demand adjustments, and uh, I would say inflation protection because of that, because if people have more to spend, those bids will go up, uh, and of course it won't go up to the stratosphere, it will go up while ROI uh, is attractive for those advertisers. So right now we have two. The first one is low uh, traffic acquisition costs, and you can see that in the gross margins. 
The second one is inflation protection from the, the bidding system that they have for adver- advertisers. The third one is network effects. And we already knew that one. That one is obvious. And the network effects make for a biggest, bigger stage, which in turn attracts more people uh, and in turn attracts more advertisers too generating more content that will internet entertain the needs of everyone is also a consequence um, and advertisers will keep coming back until ROI uh, and, and by that I mean return return on investment so how much in sales they will make from those advertising spends they will keep coming back to Facebook uh, and the other platforms while it, it Uh, while ROI looks better than elsewhere. Finally, they attract talent. There are plenty of reasons to be and not to be working for Facebook. And this is only guess. Compensation affecting billions of people and working with other intelligent people might be some reasons to do so. And that may explain why they attract so much uh, talent, so many Uh, intelligent people. Facebook's qualitative hurdles. The business model works wonderfully to an extent, but there are also big problems for Facebook to face. The biggest one of all is possibly how they will position themselves uh, and are actually doing now regarding social and political issues. For example, if they don't curate political campaign posts, there may be misinformation being spread about certain candidates but if they do position themselves in a certain way they may be accused of interfering in the elections and influencing the perception of the masses anyway and there is an article uh, in my website that is stockpickinginsights.com you can see it there and that illustrates what i'm talking about and what i'm about to quote This is from Mark Zuckerberg, by, by the way, both of the quotes I'm about to read. So once we're taking this content down, the question is, where do you draw the line? Most people agree with the principles that you should be able to say things uh, that other people don't like, but you shouldn't be able to say things that put people in danger. The shift over past several years is that many people would now argue that more speech is dangerous than would have before. This raises the question of exactly what counts as dangerous speech online. It's worth examining this in detail. The second quote is, given the sensitivity around political ads, I've considered whether we should stop allowing them altogether. From a business perspective, the controversy certainly isn't worth the small part of the business they make up. But political ads are an important part of voice, especially for local candidates, up-and-coming challengers, and advocacy groups that may not get much media attention otherwise. Banning political ads favors incumbents and whoever the media covers. This is very tricky. Even in topics that a consensus would agree, for example, acting on misinformation by banning or reducing the ranking of those posts, some people may argue that they are messing with free speech. 
The key here is that they need to keep users happy so they can keep using their platforms. Without them, uh, they absolutely have no business. Uh, on the other hand, when dealing with advertisers, they may be almost as strict as they wish because it's uh, just companies doing business. What are they acting or not acting on? We'll start with a few quotes, uh, and I took this from their website. And if you'd like to see the, these quotes um, written, you can go to stockpickinginsights.com and watch the, the post. The first quote says, Facebook was built to give people a voice, but this doesn't mean that people can say whatever they want. And this is a, a strong sentence. The, the second um, quote is, uh, we do leave up some posts that go against our community standards a few times a year if the public interest outweighs the risk of harm. There is no exemption for ads or posts inciting violence or suppressing voting, in, even for politicians. I summed up some of the things that they are acting or not acting on. The first one is allowing anything in political speech justified by public interest. They do have guidelines for those political ads, though. The second one is disincentivize misinformation, uh, that means fake news, by doing fact-checking. You can see their fact-checkers uh, in the link that I have on the written posts. Uh, that link will show you a, a world map, and that world map will uh, show you each fact-checker in each country, so you can see by country who is fact-checking uh, those posts. The third one is removing information that goes against voting, hate speech, and terrorism. Also, they remove fake accounts. All these guidelines for content um, mean that Facebook has already taken some stances on some social and political issues. And I'd say that is good because um, at least now we can see uh, clearly what to expect from Facebook's uh, curation of information. And users that don't like it, um, they can uh, act on it. But of course, this has a cost and they, they have their brand at stake. And there is another big hurdle to overcome. They are seen as privacy invaders by many. This affects some of their new endeavors, where a product requires the user to trust their privacy to the company. For example, Facebook Portal. Facebook Portal, for those that uh, don't know, is a video calling device. And uh, of course, it has a webcam. That means that users uh, will be holding back from buying it because they fear that Facebook is spying on them to, to grab more data. Secondly, there is a wildly spread idea that social media causes depression because you are comparing your life to other people's best moments. Yet, your life is probably as good or as bad as everyone else's. Um, whether this is right or wrong, it doesn't matter by now because it has already damaged the brand and it can do even more damage uh, in the future. And this encourages people to spend less time on Facebook platforms or even leave them. Bear case for Facebook. 
there are things to be said against Facebook's success. Two of them are topics we just talked about, and that is inability to manage these social and political issues and brand damage. Um, any of these can make users go away and the platform becomes uh, worthless without the users. Adding to this, you can consider Facebook to be a social mo monopoly, but they still have lots of competition. It is no surprise that apps such as Telegram have a tailwind, considering the brand damage done to Facebook from the privacy realm. They also don't capture every niche, and they, by not doing that, leave uh, open space for other companies. For example, TikTok gained popularity with its unique approach. Um, and to, to summarize it, you can say that TikTok is short videos that other people can use. Geographically, China is a threat to Facebook's business. Their closed ecosystem with cherry-picked apps allows network effects to prosper. Because China is so big, when their business go international, they hit like a truck. And TikTok is uh, one of the examples. They also compete with Amazon and Google for certain customers, but the overlap is not total. Some users aren't actively searching, but end up buying uh, the products, and that is a typical Facebook user. Others are deliberately searching for something specific, and that is Google and Amazon users. And finally, just another qualitative reminder. We seldom see this disruption coming. They are not anything proof, and we should keep an open mind for substitute products that will steal people's attention. To end, we should say that Facebook is a great business with competitive advantages. I'd say they are durable too, unless some other disruptive platforms steal their lunch, or they cannibalize themselves by destroying their brand image. That's it for today, guys. Uh, if you like the, the content, please subscribe, and you can do that on the website, stockpickinginsights.com, and we'll see you next week.